Hello, my name is Naranjan, the host of Master of Your Crafts podcast. Learning from leaders who are continuously inspired, passionate, and driven to align with their soul purpose, sharing their gifts to bring healing to others. The music is composed by Rebecca Everett. Today is episode number 95, and I'll be talking to Lucinda Sage Midgordon, who has been a story lover since she and her family watched TV and movies together. Her father taught her how to find the deeper layers of a story. This love prompted her to pursue a double major, bachelor's, in religious studies and theater and speech, and a master's in theater arts and finally a master's in education so she could share her love for stories with students. She grew up in the Pacific Northwest, but has lived in Southern Arizona for over 24 years, moving there after a three-month trip circumnavigating the globe. Now completely retired, Lucinda writes her weekly blog, Sage Women Chronicles, is working on her second book and produces a bi-weekly podcast, story power. Hello and welcome to Lucinda. How are you, Lucinda? I am fine. How are you, Naranjan? I is am that, very well. Yes. Is that how you, you say it? You <gasps> did. You got it right. Thank you. Okay. You did. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and I'm curious and excited to have a deeper conversation about your background in terms of your theater and your education and the drama and your real passion and desire to really delve into the English language and how that influences your storytelling mechanisms, I guess, your programs mm -hmm. and courses of what you teach. So okay. what is it you believe about yourself and do you feel it defines who you are? Ooh, that is a deep question. Uh, because that's a changing, the answer is now changing. Um, I believe that I am, okay, spoiler alert, or some people might not like this answer. I believe that I am an aspect of God, just like everybody mm -hmm. else is. Mm -hmm. And so I've been working on clearing out all of that bad, dark stuff that attaches to us, or that we think that we have to let be part of our lives. And so for the last few years, I've been clearing out some of that stuff. And mm -hmm. just recently, I have turned my attention to clearing out the old thoughts that about especially about money and how artists aren't supposed to earn money, we're supposed to be starving. You know? Yes. yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just retired from teaching at the college. I was supposed to teach in a class that I love called dramatic structure, uh, but nobody signed up for it. And so I have been taking classes through Mind Valley. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is my, I just signed up for my fifth one. But the fourth one was about how to create online courses. And so I said, well, I'm going to take 
that dramatic structure class, which is all about how the playwright, screenwriter, author, because some of them are based on books, uh, movies are based on books, uh, and take how they structure their story to get the theme across. And I believe that authors, anybody who's really creative, and they can be creative in like cooking or gardening or something like that too. Uh, but anyone who's creating creative is connecting with some well of divinity. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I am creating this course, uh, call, I called it saving the world one story at a time, because I, I don't know, while I was thinking about creating it, it came to me that you know, stories help us understand ourselves and human nature and other people. Mm-hmm. And then if we really pay attention, we can develop our empathy and our compassion, even our communication skills and, and our emotional intelligence, <clears throat> excuse me. And so to me, those storytelling, it's one of the oldest teaching tools, even before Mm -hmm. written language. And so that's why we, I think that's why people are so attracted to all forms of storytelling Mm -hmm. is because we're used to learning from them. Now, who I am, who I am is changing. So I'm not quite sure how to answer that right now. It's a beautiful one. And I love how the expansion of the online courses and the language of not only the English language, but the language of thought, creation, and creativity is expressed through storytelling. And now you're guiding individuals on that journey. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that most of your life has been reflected back to you in snippets of stories? Mm, yes. Yes. One of the things that I realized was that the, my favorite stories have to do with people. And a lot of stories are like this people who are plopped down into situations and then they have to navigate the new situation. And sometimes it's really dangerous. Mine wasn't that way. We moved a lot. So I was every couple of years, I was, you know, the new kid at the school. Mm, Right. (laughs) And, you know, I, what I learned to do was just sit back and observe Mm. how do things work at this school and where can I fit in? And, uh, sometimes it was really a great experience and sometimes it wasn't, there was one school that was difficult, but uh, so I like those kinds of stories. I like stories with unusual love relationships, which I don't have one of those. I'm, I've been married for 42 years. Uh, And so, but, you know, where people are, they love each other, but maybe they're not going to end up together in terms of being married or something, but, but the love still just helps them thrive. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I love those kinds of stories. And, and I'm, so I'm always looking for, or stories where people are going through some really difficult times and they are actively trying to learn something from them. Yes. Uh, I just, I'm not really a big romance because when my mom was 
when I was a teenager, my mom fed me romance novels to try and get me interested in reading. And after about the 10th one, I went, these are all the same. I don't really like them. <laughs> but, but the other um, couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago or a month ago, I watched uh, Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. And it was like, oh, this is a really great story because yes. the themes, his theme is if you have a problem, sit in it until you get an answer which was like, oh, wow, that's really spiritual. And hers was, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that it, it's not, that's not working. That's really stupid. You got to pick a new something to do that's right. that's to right. break out. And it was like, oh yeah, well, that's sort of the flip of what Albert Einstein said, you know, mm -hmm. you got to pick, you got to do something new to make your life better. And yes. I loved those themes. It's just this kind of light, fun, feel good movie, but it had these great deep mm -hmm. themes to mm -hmm. it. So there are lots of stories like that, you know, yeah. that you don't really, on the surface, it looks like they're just going to be frivolous. Right. And, and then they have this really, these really great themes. Then there are others like Cloud Atlas, which is not frivolous and has six timelines. And it's really yes. difficult to understand unless you've read the book. Um, and it has a lot of really deep themes, but it's, yes. you know, it's mm -hmm. difficult to understand. So I like those mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how it's really about the one who's witnessing it mm -hmm. is going to, it is going to absorb or mm -hmm. allow that content to come through. Mm -hmm. So the Marry Me movie that you talked about, depending on the awareness of the individual watching it, mm -hmm. is what they will receive. And for the Cloud Atlas too, I mean, isn't that part of life, of how we run through relationships, how we run through life and experiences, mm -hmm. is the lens that we wear is going to dictate to our version of the story. Mm -hmm. Really. And one of the things that I... I always pointed out to my students was this isn't math. There's not one right answer. So you're going to get something out of the story that I might not see, but let's have a conversation so that, because sometimes my students would say, Oh, this is what I got out of the story. And I would go, Oh, wow. I never thought of that before. That's really great. You know? Mm -hmm. So I love having, well, when I was growing up, we had lots of conversations about movies. My dad was really great about asking deep questions about mm -hmm. the movies or the television. So, okay. so yeah, uh, having the conversations and being open-minded and not judgmental and being curious about what somebody else thinks, sometimes you learn a lot. You do. You do. Absolutely. So with that, what do you believe is your calling or one of the many callings that you have today? I think that one of my callings is to help people realize that part of the reason why we are not emotionally intelligent or have empathy or something is because we don't love ourselves. It's really difficult to have, to have compassion or empathy for someone else. If you have built up this armor around yourself and because you think that you're not, the universe is not a friendly place and you think you have to protect yourself. 
So I used to be there. So I understand that. I understand the, um, the feeling of feeling threatened. And it was probably because I'm a highly sensitive person and we moved a lot mm-hmm. and that was difficult, but yeah, learning to love yourself. That's one of them. The other one is that, uh, well, I just said it, the, the world is a friendly place. There's plenty of everything to go around. Uh, why we think there isn't is kind of baffling to me, but that's a, you know, millennia millennia upon millennia point of view (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be it's gonna take us a while to break that thought pattern and uh, yeah and I just do it through stories I just when I talk to my podcast guests on story power I want to know their stories but I also want to know what uh, because most of them are creators of some sort Yes. And why do they create what they create and talk about, you know, the themes in their lives? And because I always learn something from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you feel are some of the attributes that connect you with your purpose? Attributes. Well, I was taught to be open minded. Uh, I also my father was very smart about human nature. And so I, I learned to watch body language and facial expressions and listen to tone of voice so that I could get clues about what the person that I was communicating with was talking about or what they were trying to tell me, even though sometimes their words and the body language didn't match. Sometimes you can get clues about what they're really thinking, what they're really feeling instead of what they think they're trying to tell you, you know, because we hide things, you know, we tell ourselves stories and we hide things from ourselves. Um, and then another thing is I, I, I'm sound like I'm bragging, but I've had students who say, you are the most patient person I have ever met in my whole entire life. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, okay. I just let people, if they're going to act out, uh, in some way, unless it's going to destroy, uh, damage somebody else or hurt somebody else. I just let them do it. It's like, okay, you need to get that whatever it is out. Right. And uh, there were times when I was teaching high school that I did have to take a couple of guys out and say, look, you, I'm going to kick you out of the class if you don't stop picking on this kid. You know, I had to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, since they were football players and, they, and if they got kicked out, they wouldn't be able to play football the next year. <laughs> right. Yes. They yes. paid attention. But uh, most of the time, I just... I would have students say, okay, it's Friday. Don't you want to let us out out early? And I would just laugh at him and say, oh, Friday's a work day. So no, <laughs> and then okay. I would laugh. I would laugh again. And, and then they would just go, oh dear. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I guess I'm kind of easygoing in a way. Don't get bent out of shape when somebody else is getting bent out of shape. Yeah. And I would imagine a lot of creativity and a lot of out of the box thinking and really stretching your your creativity in roles and idealisms and um, storylines and experiences really out of the box thinking that will allow you to put these beautiful stories together. Yes, I do try to do that. Yeah, I'm. 
I am not really somebody who likes to follow the rules. I have to say that even though I do follow like the traffic rules and things like that. But uh, when I was a religious studies major, it was the seventies and I was the only woman in the program and women for the most part in most religions were not being ordained as ministers and they weren't in my, the religion that I grew up in either. And so there were people who said, you need to change your major. I was like, hmm. you don't know why I'm taking these classes it has nothing to do with me wanting to be a minister. <laughs> it has to do with the stories, but you know, I couldn't really articulate it then. Yeah. And so, so I'm, so I'm kind of a rule. I'm a rule breaker, but I'm do it sort of quietly. <laughs> right quietly but yet perhaps forcefully <laughs> maybe yes yes anyway yeah I'm not really I don't I don't understand the whole why do we have to have I've been thinking about this lately why do we have to have lawmakers what can't we get to the place where everybody just treats everyone nicely and we don't need all these all these laws upon laws upon laws of course we'll need traffic you know lights and things like that for safety purposes but yeah it's all these trying to control other people I just don't get that uh, yeah I don't get it either but I, I hear and see and witness the rebellion part of you of challenging that and really monitoring going how is this really playing out in our physical life granted yes anything and everything to a certain degree in a book or on a movie is fictitious. It's a story, mm -hmm. it's made up. Mm -hmm. But yet, it does beg the question, where do those storylines truly come from? Right. Well, and a lot of times, I've talked to lots of authors, they will be so surprised at what people find in their story. Some theme that they didn't even realize they had put in there. But as, and I have a book, and I know that as I'm writing it, it changed, it morphed from the first original idea that I had for it. And so I sometimes, you know, when you're just going into that well of creativity, uh, things come out that you're not really expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure that people who write music in fact, I'm going to go back to marry me. Um, Jennifer Lopez has this tune in her head and she just keeps playing it, but no, no words have come. And uh, Owen Wilson's daughter, she's married Owen Wilson, although they don't live together. Uh, and Owen Wilson's daughter is listening to it. And she says, that's really beautiful. And she said, yeah, but I don't have any words for it. And that's when his daughter says, well, my dad says, you know, sit in the problem until you get the answer. Well, eventually she does. She's the relationship that is growing between her and Owen Wilson's character. She gets inspired and she writes this beautiful song and it's all about him, but she doesn't even realize it's about him at first. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So we do that. We hide things from ourselves. We tell ourselves stories that aren't true. <laughs> you know, that's, I guess that's what I've been trying to dig up is all these stories I've told myself for years and years and years that aren't really true. Why do you think we have those stories? Why do you think we create them? 
protection, I think is one thing, you know, if someone betrays you, someone that you just trusted and loved, uh, well, it can't be at first we think, well, it can't be about something that I did. And so you tell this whole story about what an ogre that person is or whatever, And then really later, once you're starting to heal, if you're examining it, then you have to take responsibility for your part in whatever happened. Now, sometimes people are sociopathic and they just like to hurt people. And so, you know, then it's not your fault. But, but, you know, a relationship is two people. Yes. And so when I remember when I first realized, oh, I have to take responsibility for my life and some of the things that I did and things that happened to me. And one of them was the harassment of the guys that, you know, were trying to tell me that I, you know, Bible thumpers that I needed to stop and change my major from religious studies. And, and years later, I read the first line in The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck just hit me like a ton of bricks. It is, life is difficult. And I went, life is difficult. And I thought it was supposed to be easy. Everybody says it's supposed to be easy. And it looks like everybody else's life is easy. But no, everyone's life is not, is difficult. Everyone's life is. And then I started to realize that I had been holding on to this rage for years and it was detrimental and um that I for some reason I had participated in that whole situation so that I could learn something it wasn't uh, I mean I I don't think I deserved to be harassed but I was trying to teach myself something I guess yeah and so sometimes when situations happen to us that are really horrible uh oh, well, maybe it's, you know, we're supposed to learn something from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would beg to say that we are to learn something. There is no maybe, there is no question. Mm-hmm. It showed up for a reason for us to, to walk through it. Doesn't mean we need to sit in it, but it's to right. walk through it and learn and look back and go, okay, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't do the U-turn. <laughs> right. Well, and if we don't walk through it, as you said, because I held on to that rage for a long time. And then I realized, oh, you know what? I need to actually feel the rage because if I don't, it won't go away. Yes. It'll just build and build and build. And some, I always say it comes back in a scarier package if you don't deal with it, you know, yeah. if you don't deal with your emotions, especially your bad emotions, the joy emotions, sometimes joy emotions are scary too, because we're not used to feeling joy or ecstasy or, (laughs) and it's like, wait a minute, what, why am I feeling so happy? Something must be wrong. And it's the the shoe, the other shoe, waiting for the other shoe to drop, That's which right. there's no other shoe. I'm sorry. There's no other shoe. <laughs> there's only a sh- another shoe if you create the other shoe. Right. Yeah. Because we can do that. We're powerful beings. We can do all of that. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. What is your intentions with the storytelling of writing your books and 
being in the space of guiding others on their journey, what is your intentions with this craft of storytelling? Well, the books and my blog are both are both about figuring out what I think about the world or how I feel about it and how I feel about my life and exam it's self-examination sort of Mm -hmm. the podcast is trying to connect with other people and find out how creativity affects them and what they're trying to share with the world Mm -hmm. and then the class is I mean when I had this realization that I mean, it was sort of like, I'm always thinking in the back of my head. I always have this stuff going on in the back of my head. And so one day it hit me, you know, if we, if everyone had been emotionally intelligent from the very beginning of humanity, we would not have had all the atrocities and the wars and the, you know, power plays and all that stuff. And then, and so I thought, oh man, I wish we had, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute. That's right. We have to learn from our mistakes. So now that uh, emotional intelligence is becoming more and more a thing with therapists and psychologists, Mm -hmm. um, it's, oh, I just wanted to to help. I want to help advance that. Mm -hmm. I want us to become, to use stories or whatever tool, because there are lots of tools that you can use to become emotionally intelligent. But I would just want to foster that so that humanity can grow up. It's sort of like we're in the teenage, you know, lots of hormones <laughs> stage yes. as human beings. And I used to work with teenagers. So I know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to be a teenager too, at mm-hmm. one point in my life. So, but kind of feels like maybe we're starting to come out of that now and mm-hmm. and go oh wait a minute uh we have to tell the truth to ourselves it's difficult mm-hmm. especially in the united states i mean we have some things that went on in the united states that were like so atrocious atrocities um and we can't just point our finger at other countries and go look at the atrocities in that country yes. because they happened in ours too And, um, and so we have to be honest with ourselves about those and then move on and then try to build the bridge, build the bridge and move on. It's hard or is it? I don't think it's hard, but, but I mean, my husband and I watched Ken Burns has a new uh, documentary out called the U S and the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And when we finished, my husband just went, whoa, I can see why he thinks this is the very best of all of his documentaries, because it shows that a lot of, a lot of people in the United States did not even want to know. I mean, if the evidence was there of what Hitler was doing, his and his cronies were doing to the Jews, but you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't want to know. We don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to look at that. And we don't want to let a lot of Jews into the country because they will take our jobs. And I mean, it's the same story as now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mm -hmm. oh, those people are going to take our jobs. And uh, I mean, that's the story. It's always been in our country. Oh, we don't want immigrants in here because they'll take our jobs. (sighs) Well, you know, we can create more jobs, you know, (laughs) there's 
know. Plenty to go around to 8 billion people on the planet. Right. Yes. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was devastating, but it was really important to watch that, to see that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have to watch those devastating things. It's hard to watch them, but then it's good too. Yeah. Because it gives us a perspective. It gives us a different element of not only the historical story of whatever happened at, at that timeline, but you can see the patterns of it reoccurring. Oh, yes. To current day. Yes. But just I with mean, a different label, just with mm -hmm. different characters, back mm -hmm. to your storyline piece. Mm -hmm. But the fundamental part of the story is exactly mm -hmm. the same. So history really does repeat itself. It does. Just looks like it's in a different package. That's right. <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, it's that. It's just like yeah. those life lessons that we have. Mm -hmm. So, what's next for Lucinda? What's next uh, for you? You're creating this course. You've retired. What else is happening in your? Yeah, I, I say I've retired, but I'm not really retired. I'm more busy than I was when I was. It's <laughs> always the case. Well, yeah. of course, when I was teaching um, public school, I was very busy all the time. So, but this one. When I finish this course, I'm going to go back and and pay attention to my Patreon community because I haven't I've sort of neglected them. And no. uh, um, yes, I know. Well, I was gone almost all of July for the vacation with my mom for my mom's 90th birthday and um, and just visiting family. We had a family reunion, too. So. Mm -hmm. And then in August, I was getting ready to teach that class that didn't go at the college. And so then I've formally retired. I have no idea what will come from creating this course. I mean, I'm sit, sort of in the middle of editing the videos. I have all of the, you know, outlines and things ready to upload yes. to you to me. And I have, I have parts of it finished um at Udemy or but I'm you know I have to finish getting that ready and then we'll see what happens from there uh, I I'm pretty much a stay at home I'm home almost all the time and I have enough podcast recordings that take me through almost a year mm -hmm. from now so I'm not doing any recording. I have been on a few podcasts, but I'm even stopping that for a little while until I get the course up and ready. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we'll see what happens from there. I mean, I love doing the podcast. So once I'm closer to the end of all the recordings, I'll probably start doing that again. Um, recording. again. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. storytelling is such a magical art and I feel mm. like it truly is an art and there is mm. um, a formula and a very specific intention that goes into building a real beautiful story filled and rich with so much and it seems like you've really mastered that to a fine art to be able to create the books and the stories and the blogs and the content that you're creating. So mm -hmm. congratulations for that. Well, I'm creating content, but actually I'm a real, that my expertise is in analyzing the stories and looking at what I can learn from them and what other people can learn from them or, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that's my expertise is the analyzation. The, the creating the stories is fun, uh, but it's, I, it's a slog. 
<laughs> a lot of writers say that, that it's difficult to write. And um, my second book was stalled for quite a while because I started it before there was anything going on current in current time, because it has two timelines, uh, for the women's movement. I mean, that one of the women in the past was involved in the suffrage movement, but in 2014, there was nothing going on here. Mm. And then, it, of course, it all exploded with right. Bill Cosby and uh, Roger yes. Ailes and um, Harvey Weinstein. And then I got, but then the pandemic happened and all this other stuff happened. And I'm like, hmm. So, but I finally kind of know now. So that's probably another thing I will do is go back and try to finish up the rough draft of that second novel. Cause I've almost everything in the historical timeline is finished almost. Mm -hmm. It's the current timeline that I was struggling with. So. Mm -hmm. And that's unfolding more and more interestingly enough mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This, I don't, I just don't get the whole trying to control other people and their decisions. I never, I never got that because my dad was not, I mean, even our parents weren't like that. Mm -hmm. They would, it was, they would sit us down and okay. Now I remember when I was starting to date. Okay. Now let's talk about your dating. What time do you think is a reasonable time for you to get home? Okay. After a date. And so we would talk about that, you know, and we made a decision together. Nice. It wasn't them trying to control me. Mm -hmm. So I never got that whole authoritarian thing because my parents yes. weren't like they weren't authoritarian yes yes so. but it's it is so prevalent and it's actually more prevalent in other countries mm. as well western countries mm -hmm. the control mechanism is is very visible and having been doing a little bit of traveling i see it mm -hmm. and it is pretty interesting and it's somewhat alarming that the mm. natives of that country don't recognize the magnitude of control that they've just handed over mm -hmm. to the authorities, which. But that's part of our growth process too, is we have to, we have to declare our independence and we have to realize that uh, I kind of see it as a disintegration of the far right authoritarian they know they can feel it they can feel the change is happening and it scares the bejeebies out of them and so they're trying to grasp onto as much control as they can but eventually they it's not gonna they're not gonna be able to continue right because humanity's gonna is waking up and they're gonna go oh no wait a minute no that's not yeah. what we want yeah but we have to go through that. Yep. It's just part of our growth process. That's all. Absolutely it is. But we've got to sit in it until we find our own truth. Because mm -hmm. often with the narrative that you're talking about and what's going on in the world, it's either a black or a white. Mm -hmm. Either you're in the left camp or you're in the right camp. Right. Rather than going, okay, I'm going to stay neutral and I'm going to find my own camp mm -hmm. yeah. rather than follow others' messaging and yeah. separation. Let me find yeah. my own. 
right my own choice yeah I think it was in us it was in uh, some book that I read about Buddha about the middle way mm-hmm. he was listening to a a a musician teacher help teaching a lesson about the strings have to be just tight enough. You have to make sure that they're not too tight or too loose. It's the middle, you know, and he, and I was like, Oh yeah, might've been Herman Hesse's book. Um, And so that's really what we need to do is kind of be in the middle. And I think I tried to do that too, even though I really am, I came up, I grew up in a really liberal family, but I have to, I have to be open and not judgmental of the other people on the other side. Absolutely. And listen to them and actually be curious about why, why do you think that way? That's right. Oh, tell, oh, okay. I never thought of that before. I always, I like, I always love it when I can say, oh, I never thought of that before. Let me go think about that. Mm -hmm. Cause that's, that's where you learn something absolutely that's the gift right there to be open to have that awareness and be transparent and say okay can we that's your perspective that's brilliant I understand it Mm -hmm. but I still stand in my own opinion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but yet I can honor you for making the choices of what you make right well then reciprocate that exactly that's an emotionally intelligent person who can say, oh, oh, I honor you who you are. I don't want to change your mind because I don't know what your life path is, yes. but this is what I think. And maybe we can find common ground somehow, yeah. or at least allow each other to have our own opinions. And That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But I'm, I'm trusting that those who listen to this, will perhaps have a little nod to those who they have maybe a strong opinion towards for some of the decisions that they made and come to a middle ground and settle into, can they truly have an understanding, um, a perspective of why that person chose to to make that choice? Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but rather just honor them and understand what they're at. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. And the other thing is that I've been studying A Course in Miracles for a while. And, you know, we need to look and find the divinity within every person, the light, the who they truly are, instead of looking at their outer actions. And because that's not who they really are. Their body is not who they really are. That's right. It's sometimes sort of hard to see through all the layers yes of self-deception or whatever it is that they have or their actions because some mm-hmm. people are like what but when i read in in conversation the first i think it was in the first conversations with god when uh, neil donald walsh said to god so w- is hitler going to go to heaven <laughs> and it was like you know god's answer back was sort of he was sort of laughing and yes yes because he had he fulfilled his purpose on the earth but his essence isn't all of that yeah stuff that we see as evil and yeah you know, it's just yeah. not everybody has a purpose 
and everybody's living in their full conviction, mm-hmm. their purpose, their opinions, their judgments, their decisions that they make in life. Mm-hmm. And I've often recognized and witnessed others who have such a strong conviction about a topic, a scenario, a subject matter, a category, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the stronger the conviction, the easier for me to identify that person is operating from a different aspect of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not truly operating from their true source light. Mm-hmm. So right. then yeah. I can offer that element of compassion and understanding and right. allow them and witness that journey for them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help to try to change their minds. We're not, I, I'm, I guess I'm a believer of we're not in a position to do that. We can offer right. the invitation of a different right. perspective, but whether they take it or not, that's right. not my job to convince right. anybody of anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to say that once somebody's made up their mind, don't try to change it because you know, that's going to only create conflict. Right. Just stand yeah. with them. Just be with them. If they, if they want you there. Yeah. Don't try to change their mind. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree completely. Creates the friction. And that then in itself creates a whole domino effect of a relationship that could potentially be a beautiful alignment and a supportive, nurturing relationship rather than a conflict and distraction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Destruction, yeah. should I say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Lucinda, thank you so much for all your conversations and your storytelling and all the pieces and nuggets of wisdom that we've delved into and the current world in terms of what we're going into and what we are faced with. Um, So thank you for sharing your perspective and bringing that up to light so others who are listening might take an extra minute or two to marvel over that scenario about themselves you're welcome and thank you for having me as your guest i have enjoyed our conversation you're very welcome thank you i'm naranjan and you've been listening to master of your crafts podcast please subscribe rate and review and join me next week for another episode thank you for listening